Good morning, church. I want to uh, thank you for the warm welcome, especially uh, Matthew, who wore his Arsenal top. Uh, Richard learned about the uh, English football yesterday as we, uh, we talked a little bit about that. I'm an Arsenal fan, and some of you know, if you follow the English uh, league, you know Arsenal is a, is a heartbreaker, and it's a, it, will, it will tear you up to be an Arsenal fan, but that's, uh, that's part of life. It's, just, uh, it's good. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dig in um, to the passage here. Father, we come before you today thankful, thankful that you have revealed yourself in your word, thankful that you are a God who has not left us alone to sort of struggle along and wonder what in the world is going on with the highs and the lows that we all experience in life. Thank you that you're a God who revealed yourself, most importantly revealed yourself in the person and work of Jesus. So we ask that you send your spirit now as we seek to look at your word together, that your spirit would be at work, that the words that I say would not just be words from Chris Hatch, but they would be words from you, that you would touch the lives of your people as we walk through this passage. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have a friend in Chattanooga who, uh, his name is Kirk Ward. He's a guitar player, worship leader, and he has a song called Walk the Talk. And it kind of reminded me as I read this passage, it's kind of a funky urban uh, beat. We used it for urban camp uh, in Chattanooga and even in London. Um, but it's obviously encouraging the kids to walk uh, the walk of faith that matched up the, what they say with what they do as they live in faith. And I think in some sense, that's the same thing that Paul is advocating here uh, for us in this letter to the Colossians. He's written to these, this small church that is in the modern-day Turkey, and he is setting out, he's been setting out good theology of who Christ is, and he's talking about his own personal walk with Jesus as he sets his uh, there, and he comes to this point. You've seen Jesus. You've seen me. Now it's coming to how has Jesus impacted your life. Now it's your turn. You need to walk the walk of faith in Christ. Verses 6 and 7 here are really setting the stage for the whole rest of the letter, if we read uh, through it, except for maybe the final greeting there. But these are sort of what uh, people that study these things was called hinge verses, that the, the, Paul is changing what he is, he is talking about here, changing the conversation of the letter. And he says here in verse 6 that you, you've been accepted, you've accepted Jesus as Lord. Now remember what Paul has said already. That Jesus is Lord doesn't mean just for you personally. That's good. But Paul is saying Jesus is Lord of the universe. He is the creator. He is the sustainer of all. He is the one wiping away tears. He is the one making all things new. Now the question is, will you submit to King Jesus? And as theologians like to say, we have to get those indicatives before we get the imperatives. We have to come to the truth of who Jesus is before we get to thinking about the to-dos of Jesus. Paul says here, you've received Jesus. Okay, you submitted your lives to him. Now, there's something that goes on with that. The walking with Jesus in submission to him. There's movement. Don't just sit there and say, oh yeah, I'm going to take this good theology. I'm going to take this in. you got to move. 
We've got to move. God is on the move, and he's calling us to join him in that movement. But some of you look at this text, and you say, wait, wait, movement? What, what is that? How, what? He says walk, Paul says here in the first, uh, these first words. But then he says rooted and built up. You notice that. How does that work? Mo- walking is with movement, right? I am walking, walking. Rooted. What's the image that comes into your mind? Do trees walk very much except outside of the Lord of the Rings? Uh, no. Trees do not walk very much. Do built up. is has sort of a, a housing imagery here. How many houses move very, well, okay, maybe a mobile home or an RV or something like that, but that's not the image of most of our homes that we see is, is of movement. What's going on here? I think the answer is that Paul, as he works through this today, that he wants us to calling to walk and to be rooted at the same time. I've got three points for you today. Good Presbyterian sermon. Walk away from dead wisdom. Walk with Christ. Walk away from guilt and shame. Walk away from dead wisdom. Verse 8 here. See to it that no one takes you captive. Things are called to active non-action. All right? It reminds me of a typical movie scene where there's a, there's a group of people in the jungle and they have to split up. And the, 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 there's a wounded friend and they say, okay, you guys, you stay here and this guy is going to go find some help. And so he leaves him and saying, see to it that no one catches you. No, watch out for those monsters or whatever, the, you know, the bad guys. What do they do? They build a fire and they, okay, we got to all stay awake. We have to, you know, we have to be careful, keep watch. They are actively doing nothing because they're waiting for the help to come from somewhere else. Paul is encouraging us to be active in watching out for false gospels here. This gospel that will make you rich and make you comfortable. This gospel says, we're the good guys and those people are the bad guys. He warns us against this human tradition, this elemental spirits of the world. The first thing as you read this, and as I read this, this empty, built on human tradition is the secular humanism of our day. And that's, yeah, we have to watch for that. But I actually don't think probably there's many atheists, hardcore atheists in this room that are eating up uh, Dawkins and Hitchens and these kind of modern-day atheists. My guess is that the real problem for us who claim the name of Christ is we're influenced by our culture more than we care to admit. Our American way of life has influenced our thinking about what does it mean to be a Christian We have a hard time disentangling what is being said out here about the good life and what the scriptures call us to. How is life supposed to work out? How's the American dream, the peace and the prosperity? What does it mean that God's a good God when my life doesn't always feel like that? When my child gets sick or leaves the faith or financially I make mistakes and all of a sudden it's I'm bankrupt when the stock market crashes or whatever, when my plans crash. So my plan, and Josephine, our plan was to move back to London in the summer of 2020. And we know that didn't happen because there was something else that God had in store for us. And we had to wrestle. Lord, we had these plans. We're missionaries. We were supposed to be back in London 
Why is it not working out? This is supposed to be your will. Now, I don't want to be too harsh on myself, but there is, in some sense, I know the secular mindset seeping into my heart and my life. I got plans, and I'm going to make them happen. I need to actively watch myself, examine, think about my attitudes, my emotions, my thought life. We Americans are can-do people. I like to be a can-do kind of guy, and I'm going to do what I can to make it happen. But you know what? That's worldly philosophy. That's not submitting to our sovereign Lord. Not submitting to the Lord's will. We come back watching, studying, being aware. In other words, seeking that no one takes us captive. Let's be aware of secular mindset. We must be aware of other uh, religions, philosophies. Sometimes the American life, it has a little Christianity sprinkled on top. Especially in Christmas season, you know, it's all about sort of God and whatever in general. But if we're going to, we don't need to walk in fear with those people over there. But we are need to be mindset, have a mindset of actively, in some sense, resisting what is being told us. The good life is, what life is about out here on the commercials, on the TV, in the, in the, in the, uh, the world at large. But the Christian life is so much more than being a reaction to what's out there. Unfortunately, that's what we made ourselves known, right, As in, in general pop culture. We are, and sometimes it's rightly so, we are known as a group who is against sex, and we're against homosexuals, and we're against Muslims, and we're against atheists, and we're against anybody else who doesn't sort of act like or think like we do. But Paul here, he turns, and he spends the rest of his passage dwelling on the positive aspects of what does it mean to walk with Christ. Yes, you need to know who you're up against, brothers and sisters, but don't spend your majority of your time being negative. Get your eyes on Christ. Get your eyes on your Lord and Savior Jesus and what He has done. Verse 9 here, For in Him, that's Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Yes, there's those philosophies out there, but we got Jesus. He's saying, this is what Christmas is about. This is the incarnation here. It's the fact that God, Jesus, fully God, took on flesh and became human, became one of us as human beings with flesh and blood. Without the incarnation, you only have a God who sort of tells you what to do, gives you some good moral advice. But we got so much more than that. That's not the God of the Bible. We have Jesus who moved into our neighborhood. And he walked the talk, so to speak. And now we are able to walk the talk because we have everything we need to serve and follow him. It says here we've been filled with him. Not that we're going to be filled with him. Not sort of halfway filled. This is a past perfect tense. You have been filled with him who is the head of all who rules all of life the whole universe christmas makes sanctification possible if you claim the name of jesus by faith in his finished work on the cross on your behalf you are united to him your life has been changed by the power of his spirit now sometimes you may not feel like it much but there has been a radical change 
as you've been united to him. Next here in Colossians, Paul uses circumcision and baptism to illustrate how we are united with Christ. In both examples, Paul is contrasting an old way of coming to God. That's the way of the law. Circumcision is an outward sign. Just like baptism is an outward sign of the inward reality. The cutting of the flesh or the pouring on of water on someone's head. It's not magic. It's, it's not like you get baptized and boom, there's, you know, there's magic water there. We can just sort of sprinkle it on anybody. No, there's got to be something more. It doesn't matter what church you've been to. It doesn't matter what good deeds you've done. If you're not united to Christ by faith, there's no reality in those outward signs. They're a symbol of what's going on inside. We don't depend upon those outward signs for our, or the practices of our faith for our right standing before God. No, that comes from our union with Christ. But God has given us these symbols, these signs, right? Circumcision in the Old Testament, baptism in the New Testament, because we are physical human beings. That is what Christmas is about. Jesus became a physical human being. Being. We live in a physical world that God made. He made it good, but it has fallen. And God uses the physical nature of what we have to build up our faith, both with water and later on it's going to be with the Lord's Supper as we take together. The walk of faith is rooted in our union with Christ, but it works out in the real life, in physical life that we all live. You don't rip your faith apart from the natural world, the physical world that we live in. If you do, you are not taking captive your thoughts. That is what your culture says. Our culture says, and in British culture, in London, it's the same way. Oh, you Christians, you do your spiritual thing, and that's something you do on Sunday. And then those other six days, that was a real day. We don't know. And you can have it, you can keep it there, quiet, whatever. You separate it. No. We can talk about our faith in our politics and in our science and in our sports and in our engineering and in our food and whatever. There's, there's not this separation between the physical and the spiritual. It is all part of who we are and all who Jesus is Lord of. God is the creator of the physical world. And it's the same God who raises Jesus from the dead. Literally raised (laughs) him from the dead. There. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who's taken on, who literally got up out of the grave. Physically. And that same power that physically was was active in seeing Jesus raised from the dead, is at work in giving you faith. Remember, in Luke uh, 5, Jesus was teaching, and a lame man, he dropped through the hole by his friends, from the hole in the roof, so he could get at Jesus. His friends, you know, sort of dug out and got him down. Jesus saw the faith of the man and his friends and told him that his sins could be forgiven, to which the religious leaders are like, wait, what? No, 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 nobody can forgive sins except God. That's not going to happen. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And what does he say? He says, so that you know that I can forgive sins, get up and walk. 
The power of God to forgive sins is the same power that makes that paralyzed man whole to walk. The same power that forgives our sins is the same power that's available to you today to live a life that is pleasing and glorifying to him. So here in verse 13, you who were dead in your trespasses, your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. The resurrection of Jesus guarantees the victory over sin. This is the physical and the spiritual proof that the payment of sin has been made by Jesus. Nothing more needs to be done. It's like we, that paralyzed man who couldn't walk. What's going on with him? The instructions, hey, you need to exercise. You need to get on that treadmill a little bit more. And your legs will be fine. Well, you know, that's, that's not helpful to a paralyzed man. To, to, to say, just sort of work harder at your you know, leg exercises. They, his man, this man's legs were dead. They had no life in them. Telling them to exercise, to just do, try harder is not helpful. And it's the same for us spiritually. God reaches down, he brings his spirit, and he draws us to himself. Unites us by faith to Christ. And there's nothing that we bring to him that's pleasing. God brings the dead to life. The life. Thirdly here, walk away from guilt and shame. God has raised us to life. He's given us power to walk a life that is pleasing to him, that is honoring to him in this physical life that we live. He's given us life, and he's pleased with us. That's an amazing thing. Do you really think that God is pleased with you? As you lay in bed tonight, or last night, you're drifting off, and you think about your days, you think about your things you've done. Do you think God cares about you? That he loves you? Josephine shared a, a verse that's been special to us in uh, the Sunday school classes, we were talking about our lives and the challenges that we've had. Um, and we found it written on our daughter's uh, boarding school in Germany when we, she moved. Um, it was kind of a, a big deal for us. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty, one will, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Brothers and sisters, if you're in faith... You're united with Jesus. Do you hear that? He will rejoice. The God of the universe, the creator of all, looks down at you. You, each of you here, who claims the name of Christ. He rejoices over you. And he says, wow, you are a wonderful, I love you. You're made in my image and I'm so happy that you're drawn, you're a part of me. God is mighty to save, and he will rejoice over you as you humble yourself before King Jesus. This death-to-life salvation that God brings to his people gives us benefits. First, as I've already said, God gives us power. He gives us the Spirit to walk in ways that are pleasing to him. 
You're no longer a slave. The power has been broken. The sin has been broken. Now, are there challenges? Are there addictions? Do we need counseling? Do we need support? Yes, yes, yes. But Satan is not your master. You are not a slave. You are a child of God. You have options to live a way that is different from society and different from your past in a way that is radically different than what yeah, our society says you should live like. And even your flesh, even though there's a battle going on and you'll continue to battle that till the day you die or till the Lord comes back, there is power to do things that are different. Secondly, you can walk in guilt and shame because of what Christ has done. Your record of failure before God has been taken away. The punishment that you deserve has been paid by Christ. Children of God, your guilt has taken away. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to do a lot of good stuff to make sure that God's happy with you. I know you question God's love at times. I know. You know what you've done. You know that you're a hypocrite at times. You know that you're a liar at times. Maybe some in room this big, adulterer, and this, you know, all the sexual stuff that we struggle with. God knows that. He knows. He knows who you are. The depth of your heart. But if you're not united to Christ by faith, you don't have to live with the guilt. You don't have to live with the shame. Listen to what God said here through the Apostle Paul. Having forgiven our trespasses, that it's our sins, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. These he set aside. Those have been nailed to the cross. You're free to go. You're free to love people and not fight for your reputation. You're free to sacrifice in ways that other people around you are like, wait, what are you doing? God loves you completely. Your creator cares for you, and he's going to watch after you. God has defeated the power of sin. He's defeated Satan. And because God has taken your shame away, you are free to join him in his work of bringing healing and bringing hope, renewing this world that we live in that suffers so much. The suffering is real. And you're able now to step into that suffering because you know your life is secure. You are loved deep, deep, deep. And you can take on the burdens of your neighbors, of your coworkers, of your family members. Victory has been won by Jesus over the rulers of this world who glorify in death and destruction. The Advent season is a season of hope. Hope for your future and hope for the others here in Clarksville and in our world. Jesus has come. The chains of death have been broken. Unite yourself by faith to Christ and then give your life away. Lay down your life for the sake of others, just like Jesus laid down his life for you. Lay down your life for those who are hurting. Lay down your life for those who have made mistakes. They've caused crazy problems of their own life. It's their own doing. 
because you know you've made crazy decisions and all done all kind of crazy stuff, and yet God still loves you because of the work of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you can walk the walk of faith, and then it's going to be a wild ride. There's going to be all kind of stuff that's going to happen along the way. There ain't no doubt about that as you join Jesus. But consider what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And may that fill your heart with comfort, with compassion for our world right now, and joy as we think about what God is taking us as his people. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You who loved us when we did not deserve it. You who laid down your life and you sent your spirit so that we could be united with you. You who have broken the power of sin over your people. And I pray, Lord, that your people would understand what does it mean to walk the walk of faith to lay down their lives for their brothers and sisters in this room and in this community. In Christ Jesus' name we pray.